0: Rocks ...along the base of Father's headstone. My sleeve pulls with the motion, revealing a sliver of the strange mark, the peculiar, jagged circle that bloomed on my wrist in the hours after Father's death. I steal a glance at James to see if he has noticed. He hasn't, and I pull my arm further inside my sleeve, lining the rocks up in a careful row. I push the mark from my mind. There is no room there for both grief and worry, and grief will not wait. I stand back, looking at the stones. They are not as pretty or as bright as the flowers I will bring in the spring, but they are all I have to give. I reach for James's arm and turn to leave, relying on him to guide me home. It is not the warmth of the parlor's fire that keeps me downstairs long after the rest of the household retires. My room has a firebox, as do most of the rooms at Birchwood Manor. No, I sit in the darkened parlor lit only by the glow of the dying fire, because I do not have the courage to make my way upstairs. Though Father has been dead for three days, I have kept myself well occupied. It has been necessary to console Henry, and though Aunt Virginia would have made the arrangements for Father's burial, it seemed only right that I should help take matters in hand. This is what I have been telling myself. But now, in the empty parlor with only the ticking mantel clock for company, I realize that I have been avoiding this moment when I shall have to make my way up the stairs and past father's empty chambers. This moment when I shall have to admit he is really gone. I rise quickly before I lose my nerve, focusing on putting one slippered foot in front of the other as I make my way up the winding staircase and down the hall of the East Wing. As I pass Alice's room and then Henry's, my eyes are drawn to the door at the end of the hall, the room that was once my mother's private chamber. The Dark Room. As little girls, Alice and I spoke of the room in whispers, though I cannot say how we came to call it the Dark Room. Perhaps it is because in the tall-ceilinged rooms where fires blaze nonstop nine months out of the year, it is only the uninhabited rooms that are completely dark. Yet even when my mother was alive, the room seemed dark, for it was in this room that she retreated in the months before her death. It was in this room that she seemed to drift further and further away from us. I continue to my room, where I undress and pull on a nightgown. I am sitting on the bed, brushing my hair to a shine, when a knock stops me mid-stroke. Yes. Alice's voice finds me from the other side of the door. It's me. May I come in? Of course. The door creaks open, and with it comes a burst of cooler air from the unheated hallway. Alice closes it quickly, crossing to the bed and sitting next to me as she did when we were children. Our night dresses, like us, are nearly identical. Nearly, but not quite. Alice's are made with fine silk at her request, while I prefer comfort over fashion and wear flannel in every season but summer. She reaches out a hand for the brush. Let me. I hand her the brush, trying not to show my surprise, as I turn away to give her access to the back of my head. We are not the kind of sisters who engage in nightly hairbrushing or confided secrets. She moves the brush in long strokes, starting at the crown of my head and traveling all the way down to the ends. Watching our reflection in the looking-glass atop the bureau, it is hard to believe anyone can tell us apart. From this distance and in the glow of the firelight, we look exactly the same. Our hair shimmers the same chestnut in the dim light. Our cheekbones angle at the same slant. I know, though, that it is the subtle differences that are unmistakable to those who know us at all. It is the slight fullness in my face that stands in contrast to the sharper contours of my sisters, and the somber introspection in my eyes that opposes the sly gleam in her own. It is Alice who shimmers like a jewel under the light, while I brood, think, and wonder. The fire crackles in the firebox, and I close my eyes, allowing my shoulders to loosen as I fall into the soothing rhythm of the brush in my hair, Alice's hand smoothing the top of my head as she goes. Do you remember her? My eyelids flutter open. It is an uncommon question, and for a moment I'm unsure how to answer. We were only girls of six when our mother died in an inexplicable fall from the cliff near the lake. Henry had been born just a few months before. The doctors had already made it clear that my father's long-desired son would never have the use of his legs. Aunt Virginia always said that mother was never the same after Henry's birth, and the questions surrounding her death still linger. We don't speak of it or the inquiry that followed. I can only offer her the truth. Yes, but only a little. Do you?